CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action and the following message is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Get elite-level trading tools and powerful resources from TD Ameritrade. Trader-made, trader-tested, trader-approved. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ market site. The guys here are getting ready behind me. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up in the show. How can I buy surging shares of Netflix for next to nothing? We'll break it down. Plus, liftoff. Here's what chip stocks have been doing. But if you miss the move, we'll give you one name options traders say you can still buy. And deal talks between Sprint and T-Mobile continue to heat up. And we have a way to buy one of those names for under two bucks. The action begins right now. Let's get right to it because chip stocks have been ripping the SMH semiconductor ETF hitting its highest level in 17 years this week. And there's three standouts in the space that have seen explosive move high, moves higher. Check out NVIDIA, Micron and Advanced Micro all up more than 100 percent in the past 12 months. So is there still time to get in on this rally? Let's get in the money right now, Dan. Yeah, you know, you just mentioned the SMH semiconductor ETF. It had a really nice breakout today. I mean, Carter can speak to that. And, you know, obviously it consolidated consolidated a little bit above that prior high. Um, you know, some of the stocks have been powering it. The NVIDIA we talk about every night on this desk. Um, you know, that stock is up almost 70 percent. I think it's about time to maybe consider some other names in the sector. But to me, for all intents and purposes, you know, it's a pretty constructive chart. The SMH is up 27 percent. I can't tell you that NVIDIA is a great buy up 67 percent on the year, but I think there's probably some other opportunities in the space. No, I mean, obviously it's roaring times for the industry. NVIDIA, I think I agree with you, has priced a lot of that in, though, already. And this is one of those things. I mean, uh, people seem to forget that there is some cyclicality in this business, right? So, you know, when you have a huge run like that, you don't necessarily believe that it's going to persist forever, I would say. I mean, ultimately, that's right. It, it is about the cyclicality. There is no growth in semiconductors, right? Some stocks are the same price they were trading at 20 and 30 years ago. But what we do know is that here and now, semis, having really done nothing since June, are now for the first time actually playing catch-up with the broader market. And breakouts are breakouts. Whether it's NVIDIA-based or others that are contributing to it, the odds are that it continues. Are you believe that there's going to be consolidation or more consolidation in the space? Because I feel like that is part of the reason uh, why this, this that was a huge driver yeah, in 2015 driver. and 2016. There were over 200 billion dollars worth of announced deals. We're waiting for this Qualcomm NXPI deal yeah. to happen. You know, so one of the things that's interesting, Nvidia was long considered a takeout candidate, but now it's got over 100 billion dollar market cap. It trades at over 12 times sales. You know, 10 times sales was kind of the number where a lot of these big deals got done. But if you like NVIDIA, you like it for AI, you like it for autonomous driving, you like it for possibly crypto, uh, you know, mining and all that sort of stuff, then you have to kind of look at AMD. This is a stock that, or a company that has about $5 billion in sales, half of NVIDIA's. Next year, they're expected to grow 10% a year. And let me tell you something. That's what NVIDIA's are expected to decelerate to, 10% growth next year. So I'm looking at AMD as a stock that trades at two and a half times sales. I look at a slightly constructive chart here. Carter can speak to that a little bit. We were talking about it before here. Um, it's only up 17% on the year. They're expected to report Q3 earnings, I think, the week of like October 16th, 17th, that sort of thing. So actually, I bought the stock earlier in the week. 
week. I talked about it in Fast Money a little bit. But I was thinking about it. There was a rumor earlier in the week that possibly they're going to get some business from Tesla. It was kind of debunked. The stock came in a little bit. But I wanted to look at a trade, a defined risk trade. I wanted to target that earnings event. I wanted to target the potential for a move back to those prior highs just below 16. And I want to give myself um, a little room down to that uptrend that we just showed. Implied volatility, the price of options is relatively cheap right now. It's just off the 52-week lows. So again, I'm targeting October expiration here. I simply just want to buy a call. When the stock was trading today about 1320, you could buy the 13 and a half strike call in October for 55 cents. That breaks even at 1405 and really gives me room, plenty of room back up towards those prior highs. I'm thinking this thing runs into the earnings. And at that point, if you get a little movement here, because the SMH is consolidating at those prior highs and they get back on their, the whole sector gets back on the horse prior to earnings season, this thing's going to participate. And just one thing about the premium that I'm risking, 55 cents. That basically is my defined risk down to that uptrend that has been in place from the November lows. I think that's a good risk reward here. I think there's a really good scenario where you can easily double your money on not a whole heck of a lot of price action. I, I, I can imagine that 55 cents on a $13 stock seems like a lot of premium as if options are expensive. And they are expensive in AMD, but there's a reason for that. The stock does move around significantly as a percentage of its own value. And actually, as high as those options premiums are, they've come down from much, much higher levels. This is actually the lowest that they've been in two years. And it's ironic to me that people would get so hyped up about, number one, that they would be in Tesla and then that they would get all concerned that they're not in it. Ultimately, if you're going to deal with an auto, you'd hope you do one with has higher unit sales than that does. I mean, if you think about the, the way Dan started this, it's, it's, we know the group is strong. So there's two things you do in that situation. Do you find a laggard and play it, meaning for catch-up, or is it lagging because something's wrong? And, and really, that's not known. And either technique is quite right to stay away from laggards or to make the bet that ultimately they will catch up. Um, as to takeouts, that can't be a part of investment. These at least not from my seat. So now it's a question of do you get the earnings-related pop? And if and as you do, you will likely not only move to the top of the of the chart that you've cited, but prospectively a breakout to new highs. Well, they had seven and twenty percent annual year-on-year revenue growth at this company. So, I'll, you know, maybe it's not quite as exciting as some of the others, but it's not fundamentally broken. Yeah. One last point. I mean, October options are pricing about a ten percent move between now and October expiration, which incorporates that earnings event. So, this is the sort of trade where if you were long these calls and you had a move back to fourteen and a half or so prior to earnings, you could sell a higher strike call, create a vertical call spread, reduce the premium at risk into that earnings event. Because again, we all know this, that being long premium directional into events is a tough way to do it. That's why I'm looking out a few weeks here at support. And I like the fact that the SMH is consolidating right here. All right, let's stick with technology here. Check out the high flying bang stocks, or should we say once high flyers, the tech darling stalled in the last month, with the exception of one name, Netflix. Shares are up more than 10%. Chartmaster says that it's got more room to run. So Carter, why don't you break it down? That's right. So this is a little bit the opposite. It's trying to favor a name that's been good in a group that's been a little squishy, believing that the reason it's been good is because things are better. Um, Netflix. So we're going to go through a few charts and then um, at the end just talk about its relative strength to other high flyers. So you can see a chart, no judgments, annotations by me. Now let's zero in on these gaps over and over and over. Here we go. Okay, what I've got here, look at the frequency. October 18th, three months later. Jan 18th, three months later. April 18th, July 18th. Well, we know it's happening. These are earnings. And for the most part, Netflix continues to beat on its earnings, which is to say it gaps up over and over and over and over. Now, the bet is, at least from what I can see, is that we're going to do that again. 
So we want to uh, play this if you want to take the risk in earnings for a gap up. All right. Get rid of that, and let's just look at the chart. How to draw the lines. I think you can draw the lines like this. So it's a well-defined channel. I mean, literally. And this is just parallel lines right off of a computer. You know, we've, we've responded to these levels over and over and over. This is not sort of random stuff here. And, and I'm thinking at a minimum is that we're going to make it back to the high of the channel. But where are we now? Well, here's where we are. We are literally in the absolute midpoint. So that not overbought. You have the earnings prospects to get you higher, and I think we want to make that bet, especially in the context of the following. Look at this performance over the last 12 months as basically all the others have stalled. I mean, this, while it's up, it's not up any more than the market. And if you look down, of course, down to the, uh, the bottom half of these high flyers, it's starting to be down, down one, down two, unch. So I like the relative strength of Netflix compared to its, quote, peers, if you call these stocks peers. They're of a type. And I like the chart setup, and I want to make the bet that you get a beat on earnings. Mike, what's yeah. your trade? Well, this is a critical time, of course, because we're going to see what their subscriber ads are. I mean, we've got the quarter ending, end of this month, and we're going to find out. But they've been doing pretty well so far on pace to have more subscriber ads this year than they did last year. And last year was a 25% growth year. So that's obviously pretty outstanding. Looking at the basically the bottom of that channel, I thought the way to play this was to look at the November 170, 190, 200 call spread risk reversal. When I was looking at this, if you bought the 190, 200 call spread and then sold the 170 puts against it, you'd collect about 25 cents. Basically, the idea here is that if it fell back, so it's done about 10 percent so far this year. If it fell back and just traded flat, you'll lose nothing. On the other hand, if it moves to the upper end of that channel, you're going to make 10 bucks. I think that's the way you want to play this one. What do you think? Hmm. Wow. Well, it's really tough. I mean, listen, you know, <laughs> having I mean, a stock... Dan, it's just going to get down earnings, right? I, I know. I mean, it, it. And it is. And it's at that, it it's at that prior high. It actually did, the stock did sell off from, what, 195, almost down to 162. It had a 10% sell-off. Now it's come all the way back up. So to me, I, you know, you, you really need that beat and raise for the stock to gap up like 10% like the market's going to expect into that right. earnings. If you have a miss, you're going right down to Mike's 170 put strike that he's short. And, and that's the, the only thing I'd say about this trade is that if you're going to buy the stock, why not? But remember this. You only have $10 of potential gains in that call spread, right? And you have a lot more potential losses. To me, to my eye, this thing on a really risk, whiff, it's going the, down to 160. The, down, the downside risk, yeah. okay, is that you get put the stock at 170. Yep. And if you think it's going to 160, what's your risk? $10. I get and it. if it goes up, I get it. only $10, what do you make? $10, but it only has to go up 10 to make 10, and yeah. it has to go down how much? Yeah, so, but Carter, $28 for you to lose the, the other 10. The so that's that the idea. Came all the way back, that doesn't give you a little pause a little oh, bit you mean here? after it gapped up, yeah. but that's what it did all those other gaps. Meaning, often as you get reset, right, yeah. then people sell into that because they were anticipating it. And that low volume give back is the bounce or perspective bounce for the next gap up. I mean, here's the issue, and it is just this if they miss, but then if is not a part of investing. Right. I mean, it could be, too. But the, the precedent is that something's going on here. And the final piece of information, which I think is important, it's the relative strength. All the others are under pressure. Apple getting walloped and Amazon and somehow Netflix holding up. But the whole idea here and the reason we're putting on this options trade is simply because there is that risk that it makes that move. We have 10 percent worth of essentially yeah. free move to the downside before we get hurt by November expiration in this trade. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. I never leave home without it. Really, I really don't. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. That's what investors think Sprint and T-Mobile will do. 
and we'll tell you just how high some traders see it going. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Telecom giants T-Mobile and Sprint rallying again today on reports the two mobile carriers could be close to a merger. The deal chatter sending the telecom space surging this week. Who better to uh, break it all down, uh, the move, than our friend Dom Chu. Hey, Dom. Dom? Dom? (laughs) All right, all right, Melissa. Yes, we are seeing a surge in activity trading-wise around both Sprint and T-Mobile USA shares. And no surprise that given all that renewed deal chatter, we could get some trafficking in those options. Over the past week, we've seen around five times the average weekly call option trading volume for Sprint. And we've seen around six times the average trading volume for call options contracts for T-Mobile USA. Now, all of this, as more reports surface around whether a possible tie-up could be agreed upon, of course, any potential tie-up between the number three and number four players in the U.S. market is going to be pretty heavily scrutinized by regulators. But still, it's a part of that broader theme of outperformance by the telecom sector this week. We know that neither company is in the S&P 500 telecom sector, but still, some stellar performances by both AT&T and Verizon this week have made the sector the best-performing one in the entire S&P, even though it is the smallest sector by market cap weighting and the number of constituent stocks. There's only four in the entire sector. Still, Melissa, we're talking about a sector that has a 2% weighting in the index and has been the second worst performer this year, down by over 8%. But it has been a star performer this past week. Back over to you guys. All right. Thanks, Dom. Dom Chu in the newsroom. So how should you play these names for a takeout? Mike goes over at the plaza with his call to action. Hi, Mike. Yeah. So he was talking about the options action earlier this week. We saw the October 9 calls being bought in Sprint and the November 70s in basically T-Mobile. I think you might want to take a look at a call spread instead of those trades, though. A couple of reasons for that. One, higher profit probability. And secondly, a lower rate of decay. Now, what's going on here? If we just take a quick peek, I'm looking specifically at T-Mobile. Now, the chances of the stock moving this much are obviously greater than of it moving that much. And so we're going to try to take advantage of that. Specifically, what I'm looking at is the November 6570 call spread in T-Mobile. When I was looking at it, you could spend $1.45 for that. There's basically a 37% chance that the stock is going to get to here, which is where you need it to be for you to start seeing profits. That's versus less than a 20% chance if all you did was buy that call. And actually, there's only a 10% chance that that call will beat this if the stock does go higher. So this is a higher probability way for you to make a play. And let's bear in mind, these companies are talking about a merger, not a cash takeout. So the chances of a move higher are likely going to be a little bit more modest, not a big, sharp spike. Should we invite Mike back? Yeah, just let's kidding. Do it. <laughs> Come back on over, Mike. What do you think of the trade? I, I love his description of what's going on there. So a lot of the activity that you saw earlier in the week was out of the money, and they looked like lotto tickets. And you got some news, and the stock. You know, this is how option traders sometimes get bailed out a little bit. But Mike is talking about probabilities, and when you think about this, the combination of these two, like he said. This would be a very heavily indented entity, okay? And the economics are going to be kind of interesting, and the stocks may not trade to where people expect them to. So you want high probability chances if you're making near-term long premium. The higher margins that companies like Verizon sees relative to companies like T-Mobile and Sprint is largely because their ARPUs are significantly higher. It's more premium brand. They make higher margins. Now, obviously... Heavily capital-intensive businesses like this, you would like to see mergers. There's certainly going to be some synergies. 
But if they really want to see broader margins, they're also going to have to start competing more directly with Verizon. And I guess that's what people must be hoping for. I mean, if you think about it, what's, what, it's what led up to this point. We know last year, I mean, Sprint was up some 135, 140 percent, top, if in the S&P top five. Of course, not quite as good as NVIDIA, but T-Mobile also a massive performer. And then for the past eight, ten months, very dormant, very quiet. Now, quiet periods, quiet markets last, but not forever. Something will come along to unlock this, and it might well be just the things you're talking about. But as a bet, if you look at telco in general, not only is it down, it's down substantially, and it's massively underperformed other interest rate-sensitive areas of the market. You know, here's one last thing to consider also. If you take a look at a one-month 70-strike call in T-Mobile, that's about a 30-cent option, okay? It costs 80 cents if you buy the Novembers. You take a look at that call spread, it's a little over a dollar. So what I'm telling you is that the rate of decay for that call spread, all else equal, is going to be lower than if you simply bought the call on a standstill basis. So if the, call, if the stock does essentially nothing, you're better off with the call spread than those no 70s. All right, still ahead. Soup and cereal stocks getting cream this year. Is there more pain in store for the so-called safe sector? We've got the details. Plus, hey, you out there, yeah, I'm talking to you. Dig into those pockets, grab your phones, because we are taking your tweets later in the show. Much more Options Action still ahead. Welcome back to Options Action. We've got some news out of D.C. Kayla Tashi is there with the story. Kayla. Melissa, if you want to know where the White House stands on that no vote this afternoon from Senator John McCain on Graham-Cassidy, they believe the path to passing Graham-Cassidy is extremely difficult at this point, but not altogether close. I just got off the phone with the White House Director of Legislative Affairs, Mark Short, and he said this to me. He said, at this point, we're only two votes away. We'll continue working to get the votes of Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. We'll keep pushing forward until we succeed in repealing Obamacare. I asked him specifically about what the White House could do to win over these senators who are on the fence, and Susan Collins has said she's leaning against. And, and he wouldn't discuss that specifically. I asked about a sweetener for Alaska, as had been reported yesterday, that potentially there were some kickbacks for the state that would help get Murkowski on board. He said verbatim, there isn't such a thing in this bill. Finally, I asked him about the prospects for a bipartisan effort to take shape after this bill uh, at some point ends up uh, going away. He said it's too soon to talk about that. So at least from the White House perspective, Melissa, despite the fact that John McCain is a no, Rand Paul this morning is a no, the White House still believes there is a very slim chance here. Back to you. All right, Kayla, thank you. Kayla Tausche in Washington for us. And Mike, we did see healthcare stocks rally uh, when we first got the initial indications that this would not pass. Uh, but this also has implications potentially for tax. Yeah, no, it, it, it does. Certainly, I don't think this thing is going to pass. It's basically a last-ditch effort because they want to do it during this budget reconciliation process. That's going to go away. And then basically repeal is dead on the table after that. So I think the move that we saw in, in the healthcare stocks, I'd say that's the way you want to play it. All right. Time to look back at one of our open trades last month. Dan made a bearish bet on beating down staple stocks. Option prices are very low. Implied volatility is just ticked up off of uh, 2017 lows. I think you could look to an in-the-money put spread. When the stock was trading at 54.75, that's the XLP. You could buy the January 55.50 put spread, paying a dollar 30 for that. The XLP ETF falling more than a percent since then. So, Dan, what do you do next? More than a percent. And that was one of the reasons why I looked at it in the money put spread. I was looking out to January expiration. I wanted to give this some time. You know, I think we were all in agreement on the desk that this is not a great-looking chart of this ETF. And so when you think about rates going up, you saw how some of these stocks that actually have decent yields 
performed. I think you want to stick with this. And just remember, this was a put spread. I was targeting 50 on the downside. I'm not exactly expecting 50, but I have some time for this thing to play out. So I'm going to keep with this one. Yeah, I definitely think you want to stick with this. First of all, with the ETFs, very often things like put spreads are the way to make the directional play because they don't have the idiosyncratic risk that single stocks do. And those downside puts tend to be a lot more expensive, at least on an implied volatility basis than the at-the-money. So I'd definitely stay with that trade. I mean, technically, just what Dan said, the chart is broken. Fundamentally, they're expensive. And what's the uh, upside potential? It seems very limited. Up next, your tweets and the final call from the options pits. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Uh, so uh, this is one. is from Mike Meyer. I got Micron January 19 calls of 27 and 32. I've got close to a double. Believe the stock is going to 40. What would you do before earnings? Mike, what do you say? Uh, I would certainly roll up those calls. I mean, one of the reasons you want to own options is so you have lower risk to the downside. But if you own really deep in the money calls, you're basically sharing the same risk as the equity. The only reason you wouldn't do that, possibly tax-related. So obviously, if you have some short-term gains and you're trying to prevent that from happening, that's a separate issue. But just on a strict trading basis, I'd roll up. Yeah, and I think he's also saying Jan 19, 27, and 32s with the stock at 36. Earnings are next week. You know, this is one where this stock has moved a lot. Um, so Mike's point is if you own deep ends and you're sharing a lot of that risk to the downside on a gap um, and you have one-for-one one risk to the upside, so to me, take some of those profits, roll them out, define your risk for further gains. Remember, this stock's up 33% in the last month. All right, time now for the final call. The last word from the options pits, Carter Worth. Want to play Netflix long going into earnings for a new high in the days, weeks ahead. Mike Coe. Call spread risk reversal on Netflix and call spreads in T-Mobile instead of buying those no semi calls. Dan Nathan. Yeah, so semis, if you think they've kind of uh, you know, held in here, AMD, I'd like it to the upside. All right, well, it looks like our time has expired. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. For more Options Action, check out the website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. Have a great weekend. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.